This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Equity I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you. Welcome to another episode of Equity May. It's a podcast where we will help you learn to invest in 20 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividends so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? Very well, very well. Let's crack into it. No time for dilly dally. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to revisit Ask Us Anything. Uh, the segment once a month where we answer to the best of our ability all questions that have come in from our listeners for that month. We didn't do any over December because we were having a break, so we have compiled all questions from December and January, and we are getting stuck in. There were so many that came through uh, that we had to break this into two episodes. So I love it. Let's get stuck in, shall we, Ren? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, John kicks us off today. He's been investing through stake, but he can't seem to figure out how the movement of the US dollar compared to the Aussie dollar affects his shares. So uh, can you explain if the US dollar is increasing, is he better or worse off? The US dollar is increasing, then you are better off when it comes to selling back uh, into Aussie dollar at the end of the day. So you're better off. It's a good way, I, I guess, of investing through stake gives you exposure to the US US dollar. So you essentially have your investments in Australia in Aussie dollars, your investments in stake in US dollars. If that US dollar is rising against the Australian dollar, um, then yes, you're better off um, is, is the short answer to that. He also wants to know, you know, what can we do as investors to take advantage of weak Australian dollar? Um, there are a lot of things you can do. I mean, there are even ETFs out there that, you know, long and short that you can buy that follow the price of the Australian dollar. So if you think that it's going to start tanking, you can buy into a inverse ETF that will track again against the US, uh, sorry, the Aussie dollar. It's an interesting 
game to play trying to um, hedge against currencies. Uh, you need, I think with currencies, you need to be trading in huge, huge amounts of money to take advantage of the, I guess, small, small changes in, in price. We're not talking, you know, the Aussie or, or US dollar moves in like large amounts, I guess, Ren doesn't two, three cents here and there. We're talking points of cents more more often than not. Um, so to take advantage of those movements, you need to be trading in large, large dollars. But to answer your question, yes, if the Aussie dollar um, remains the same or the US dollar, sorry, is increasing against the Aussie dollar, you're going to be better off when it comes to selling back into Aussie dollars. Do you have anything to add, Ren? Yeah, yeah. So there are a couple of a couple of more straightforward ways to benefit from a weak Australian dollar rather than trying to trade currencies. I probably wouldn't recommend that um, unless you're a bit more advanced. Yeah. So some ways to benefit from a weak Aussie dollar. Number one, um, you can buy companies that make money overseas. So, you know, if they're making, if they've got operations overseas, uh, they're earning that foreign currency. And then when they report in Australia, they convert it back to Aussie dollars. Uh, so they do better. So an example of that would be Aristocrat Leisure, the pokey uh, machine company, uh, has over 50% of its operations in North America or the Americas. So, um, yeah, that, that's one way. Uh, the second way is you can buy Australian exporters. So as the Australian dollar falls, Australian exports, that Australian companies are trying to sell into overseas markets, uh, become relatively cheaper and therefore more competitive, so they will likely do better with a weak Aussie dollar. And you know, remember that exports is a broad term. When the Australian dollar is weaker, holidays to Australia become cheaper for foreign tourists. Like, um, there's a lot out there that there are a lot of industries that are out there that benefit from the Aussie dollar being weaker. Uh, a third way you can benefit is you can buy foreign companies. So jump on stake, jump on whatever platform that you use that offers overseas trades and buy companies that pay dividends in foreign currency. Uh, that will then get converted into AUD. And then, yeah, the last one that we touched on before was you can just buy foreign currency, but that's obviously a little bit riskier unless you're comfortable trading currency and understanding what moves currencies. Yeah, nice. Cool. All right. Uh, next one comes from uh, Kasia. The question relates to ETFs and uh, specifically ethical ETFs. She wants to know how do you know that the, these so-called ethical ETFs are actually ethical? And um, if you want to do specific things like invest in renewable energy and avoid the banks, how do you um, make sure you're doing that through your ethical funds? There's a second part, but I'll ask you that after. It's a good question. Ethical funds are now, and sustainability funds are now becoming more and more popular. And so there's more coming onto the market through, you know, beta shares. And then there's some more boutique funds that are, I guess, focusing specifically on this sort of uh, investment demand. It is sometimes hard to make the distinction. All of these companies that uh, have these funds, I guess, have their own sort of criteria, selection criteria for what can and can't go in their funds. Um, and as as we've found out, you know, um, for example, BetaShares used to have Facebook in theirs and in one of their ethical funds, and then they removed it. Sometimes they have banks, sometimes they don't. So they are evolving. 
to directly answer how do you know, you need to, I guess, go directly to the the fund provider and and do a deep dive into what companies are on the, the list that they're investing in to make a, a decision um, for yourself whether or not they're going to be ethical companies or, or not uh, is probably the short answer to that. One that I would recommend checking out is through an, a company called Morphic. They have a fund called Morph- Morphic Ethical Equities Fund. Uh, it's on the ASX, MEC. So go and check that out. They um, are an asset management company. You can directly invest with them, but this is um, on the ASX. So that's a, a bit of a different one to what beta shares um, uh, uh, have. So go check that out. And then if you look at this list compiled by CanStar, this is just some uh, the top 10 ethical investment funds for 2018, uh, just for some inspiration. So go and check out Pangana High Conviction Equities Fund. Um, they performed really well. And the thing is, a lot of these are the same. They just avoid investing in companies that make money from things like manufacture and sale of weapons, um, tobacco, gambling, animal farming, animal testing, activities that give rise to human rights violations, unremediated destruction of the environment, uranium mining and nuclear reactors, and fossil fuel exploration, production, refining, storage, and transport. So that fund there avoids all companies that have anything to do with that. So, you know, seems pretty uh, worthwhile, worthwhile of going to explore. Um, some other ones include BetaShares Global Sustainability Leaders ETF. There's one called the Nanuk New World Fund. It seems like this company, Pengana, is is focused on this sort of stuff. They have a couple in the top 10. So um, I would go check out Pengana, Morphic Global Equities, and yeah, maybe start with this list, CanStar Top 10 Ethical Investment Funds. Yeah, yeah, there's heaps out there. Yeah. All right, the second part of the question was... What do you guys think of investing in wine? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ah, well, we enjoy drinking wine. I Look, to be honest, 
couldn't really tell you much about the wine market. I know that people do invest in it. Um, there are some great opportunities out there depending on the the year or the vintage, um, where it's come from. Um, you know, your classic penfolds. I think someone down the road bought $300,000 worth of penfolds um, a couple of Christmases ago and as an investment, you know, bought every single vintage year that they could. But look, to be honest, I don't have my, my finger on the pulse when it comes to the wine market. Um, there are opportunities to get into the wine market, but look, I enjoy drinking wine is all I can say. Yeah, okay. I think um, the the important thing when you talk about things like investing in wine or art or anything is you, you're investing in it with the expectation that someone will pay more for it in the future. And if that expectation is wrong, then the the wine itself or the artwork has no actual intrinsic value. It's not generating cash that then you can you know sort of recover your investment that way and you can value your investment that way you're Mm. valuing it purely on the idea that someone will pay more for it in the future so um look investing in wine is probably more of a hobby than a long-term uh financial strategy i'm sure there are people that are going to come at me for that but (laughs) you know i reckon there'd be very few people in the world that invest in wine and don't invest in you know shares or bonds yeah yeah. Um, but you know, in saying that, if your investment tanks, at least you can drink it. We we can't do the same with equities. So, you know, yeah. swings and roundabouts. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll be in wine as well, Ren. Maybe, we'll maybe that's the dream. <laughs> okay, so next question's coming from Julian. It's about mortgages and investing. And uh, if you have a mortgage and an offset account. What would we consider doing in regards to investing? Do we slog it out to try and make all the repayments and add in lump sums as we go? Um, do we try to pay it all before starting to invest? Um, you know, I think this just comes down to the question we asked last time is how do you manage both um, investing and also trying to achieve other large financial goals that require large capital uh, investment in cash that isn't in you know, your share portfolio. Again, I think the answer to this, Ren, is what you're going to say is talk to a financial advisor. Yeah, I think, look, that, that's got to be the, fir- <laughs> the first one. Yeah. In general terms, I think there's probably two elements to this, a purely financial one and then a psychological one. So, um, purely financially, uh, if you say that with your mortgage, you are paying uh, 4% interest, plus all the additional fees, charges, blah, 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 that you come as part of your mortgage. Let's say you're paying 5% interest and you can get 8% in the stock market. Uh, then, uh, hypothetically, let's say that 8% is guaranteed. Um, then you would say, well, it makes more financial sense to invest in the 8% uh, because you're making that difference uh, every year. In saying that, Stock market returns are never fully guaranteed. Uh, in fact, they're not even partially guaranteed. So, financial, like the, the the math side of it, would come down to weighing that risk, what you're actually paying. Uh, are there any you know bonuses or reductions for paying the mortgage off quicker? Uh, you'd need to look at all those terms, and you could do a 
that that maths with a professional financial advisor and make a determination. Obviously, the the difficult thing is weighing up the the uncertainty of what your returns are, but you can try. Then I th- but I think the second thing, and this is probably the important one. Well, they're both important, but um, psychologically, there's probably uh, something to be said for getting your mortgage paid off quicker. You know, it's a massive debt hanging over your head, and psychologically, you're not probably not doing yourself any favors if you're investing in volatile assets, i.e., the share market, while you have this massive debt hanging over your head. So, um, speak to a financial advisor, do the maths, but also think about how you are temper- temperamentally suited to, you know, seeing your investment fall forty percent while you still have three quarters of your mortgage hanging over your head um, and then make a determination from there, I guess. Yeah, nice one. So, Ren, um, I just want to add one thing there. You said, you know, um, the, and and Julian also mentions putting your money in the market and hoping that you get you might get a return more than 4%. Now, I'm not plugging the company, but we did go and um, interview Ratesetter and they're, they're in the cash market and they have current rates on their three to five years uh, of 8% and, and more. So that is an opportunity to explore. By no means, take the, do not take this as advice from me. Certainly discuss this with your financial advisor. But, um, you know, if you have a, some cash that you could put in there to offset the 4% and then, you know, there's still 4% coming in, um, that's something to consider. It doesn't always have to be stocks that you put uh, that that money into. Rate setter is another form of investing, albeit in, in cash. Um, so that's something to consider as well. Yeah, and as with everything in life, it's probably somewhere in the middle ground and putting a little bit away to build your uh, your investment portfolio and set yourself up for retirement and then paying off your mortgage at the same time. Yeah, nice. Okay, next question. So Julian asked a second question that we'll ask. If you own ETFs but shares as well, would you prefer to get paid in dividends or get paid in extra shares? And then if you do get paid in dividends, do you end up having to pay uh, brokerage to move these into your account? So for me, uh, there's sort of two two parts to this. It's what are your goals um, and, and I guess your, your time horizon. If you need the cash flow, if that, that's the reason that you've bought the ETF, you know, you're later on in life and, and you might be not necessarily, well, maybe relying on the cash flow coming in or using it to live a more financially independent life, then obviously by all means take the dividends. But at my stage of investing, uh, you know, taking advantage of compounding interest and that sort of stuff or the compound effect, getting dividends paid back into stocks or a dividend reinvestment scheme, as it's called, is absolutely the way to go for for me. I'm sure you would agree, Ren. I, we don't, well, I don't need the cash flow coming in at the moment. And the, the more that you can sort of build the portfolio now, the better off you're going to be in the long term. In terms of getting dividends a dividend reinvestment scheme and having to pay brokerage, um, you don't pay brokerage like you would if it was, um, you know, buying a stock uh, from 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 scratch, some companies do charge like a, a management fee, and they charge on 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 that, and it might fall like their operation cost of of doing so. But generally speaking, you're not going to be paying, you know, your, your eight or twenty dollars for um, the re- dividend reinvestment scheme. 
Do you have anything to add, Ren? No, I didn't know that some companies charged management fees. Yeah, well, I looked it up. There's a small amount that that's sort of what it falls under because of just the the admin of doing it. But generally speaking, it's 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 there's no charge from what I understand. Yeah, I think my only caveat to what you said before about uh, going for dividends and letting them compound is if you are pretty concentrated in a few stocks and you want to diversify, uh, you might choose to get the cash payment. But then the important thing is that you're then putting it in another stock. You're not Mm -hmm. taking the cash and spending it. Mm. No, good point. Okay, I hope that answers the question. Next one comes from Prab. He wants your take, Ren, on esports stocks like esports mogul. Do they have potential in the long term, especially especially after 5G, just like Bitcoin exploded? So, What's your take, being the massive gamer that you are? <laughs> so I'm going to just park that last bit. Don't expect anything to be like Bitcoin and don't try and uh, invest by analogy to Bitcoin. I think that's a, um, a mistake. But yeah. taking the first part of the... Pardon? Look at it now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So looking at esports, a lot of people would be surprised to know that it is getting massive. Um that some of the teams were recently sold off and you know they were, they were you know like the New England Patriots owner bought a team and spent millions on it and you know it's it's becoming big Goldman Sachs thinks that or has projected that by 2022 esports will be as popular as the NFL and have over 300 million viewers so it's not a bad industry to be looking at so looking at esports mogul it's the, the company that Prab asked about, it's trading at about two cents. It's, well, I tried to look into it. It's a, it seems to be lacking a little bit. It's big claim to fame that it's the first publicly traded esports company in Australia. But when you think about it, esports is going to be an international market. And uh, to my mind, there's a lot better opportunity overseas. So with, without doing much research into what, how these companies themselves like there are a few sort of sectors of the esports ecosystem that you might want to look into. So the the game makers themselves, uh, you know, Take Two Interactive that makes NBA 2K has is creating an esports league with the NBA. Some of the big gaming companies, Electronic Arts, Activision Blizzard, uh, Nintendo. So they'll be making the games. They might be a better investment. When you think about what there is going to need to run the computers to uh, play these games nvidia the chip manufacturer might be a good investment esports is going to be huge in china and tencent holdings has uh, a pretty big gaming division so they might be one to look at if you want to invest specifically in esports in china or if you want companies like logitech and sony and stuff like that they're going to be the ones supplying the gear to esports gamers they, they'll be the nike and adidas of uh this ecosystem so i think a- esports is definitely not a bad industry to be looking in if you think it's got potential i i'm not a massive gamer so i can't really talk to the potential of the industry but i i think that the important thing is don't be constrained to just looking in australia mm. it's going to be an international industry and I think, no offense to the esports mogul guys, but there's probably better opportunity overseas. 
Yeah, well said, Ren. I think it's going to be one of those industries. Well, it is. It's already a massive industry. We're talking as if it's not, but you know, it's it's already massive. I think you know, there's going to be some companies that, um, huge companies that come out of it later on down the track that probably don't even exist at the moment. But you're right. Great industry to be keeping an eye on. Huge opportunity. Not something that I've been looking at closely, but I think this has sort of triggered me to have a bit of a think about what opportunities exist in that space. Yeah, nice one. All right, so we've got to our last question. So Beck has read our, uh, not our, Beck has read the Joel Greenblatt book after our book club. So good to see that some people have joined us in our book club. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And it got her thinking, instead of buying the top 30 stocks according to his formula, is there an ETF that replicates this? And it's a good question because I actually had the same question after reading the book. Same. So, well, is there? Well, for everyone who has not listened or read read the book, we're discussing, well, we're, she's referring here to uh, Joel Greenblatt's The Little Book That Still Beats the Market, um, a fantastic book that I highly recommend anyone reads um, and then go back and listen to our book club for the month of uh, what was it November um, and and check it out and he goes through what he calls the magic formula for investing so as far as I could find Ren there isn't a direct ETF that replicates his strategy he has a website where you can go and find the stocks that fall under his filter at a particular point in time and you could create your own uh, I guess you couldn't create your own ETF, but you could certainly replicate his strategy unless you've done some digger deeping, digger deeping, digger. deeper digging <laughs> and found an ETF that does replicate it. I'd be very interested to know. It did get me thinking about the opportunity for more, you know, personalized ETFs down the track, but um, that's another conversation. Yeah, to be- yeah, yeah. Equity mates ETF range. Yeah. 20, yeah. 21. Yeah. Shock. yeah, we need to patent that. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So the short answer for me as well is no. I, I couldn't find ones that directly replicate his strategy, which is surprising in a way. Greenblatt himself runs Gotham Asset Management and he runs the Gotham Index Plus Fund, uh, which isn't an ETF, it's a private fund. Uh, and it doesn't quite follow his strategy, but it does some really interesting things that's worth looking into, and it's performed quite well over time. It essentially is an S&P 500 index fund that he o- he be- is overweight the n- names that he thinks are the best, and then he shorts the names that he thinks are the worst. Uh. But unfortunately, the minimum investment to join that fund is $250,000. So, oh, <laughs> oh. probably not so much for uh, the listeners of our podcasts. But if there are any big institutional investors out there that are listening, we will manage your money as the first of the Equity Mates uh, series. <laughs> so, then I, I just had a look and to see if there were any ETFs that were trying to do similar things. And there are two that people might be interested. They're American funds. Their codes are QVAL, Q-V-A-L, and then IVAL, I-V-A-L. And one is US-based, QVAL, and one is internationally focused, IVAL. And they essentially are algorithmically trying to 
find good value stocks that are high quality and um look the funds haven't done particularly well but they might they're probably the closest thing that i could find yeah nice Okay, so I guess there's opportunity there for us, Ren, to start an ETF company that replicates all of the strategies that we talk about from the books we read. Yeah. So stay stay posted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we could do an ETF that shorts all the companies that we say we're investing in on this podcast. Yeah, not bad. That, that would do pretty well, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of Ask Us Anything for the months of December and January. Massive thanks to everyone who has written in and apologies if we have forgotten to include your question um, uh, if it's sitting in another one of our social media channels um, and we haven't and we've missed it we will reply to all of these online with the show notes and really encourage anyone who has a question to um, head to our ask us anything forum online and we will do our best to answer it if we can't we often try and get some of the professionals in our network to do it do it on behalf of us so please send questions through for the month of february all right ren well unless you have anything to add we will leave it there and next week we've got the uh, next episode we've got the good old book <laughs> uh, so who hasn't yeah. who hasn't finished the book yeah well. yeah yeah we better keep reading <laughs> all right ren well good to chat as always enjoy your day and uh, we'll speak next week yeah sounds good equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned this is general advice only Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Hey, equity mates. If you're finding it hard to keep up with uh, financial news and everything that's going on in the world, then jump online and sign up to our weekly Thought Starters email. Uh, one email a week, no spam. We hate spam. And you will get all the investing news you need to know and some interesting articles to get you thinking. Uh, it's free, just like the podcast, and it's just more content for you to enjoy.